Isn't it wonderful to be able to end a year together in church like this and be able to read God's word so freely and have it explained to us? So let's give careful attention now as we read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. Hebrews, chapter 1. Let's give careful attention. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in his last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to whom, oh sorry, for to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about his son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received as just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. Here ends the reading. In 20... Uh, calling us, vying for our priorities and our focus. Uh, we're gonna... The, vying for what we're gonna focus our time on, uh, what we're gonna do with our money. And the question for us, and the question that this passage deals with, is uh, are we gonna be uh, listening to the world? Is the world going to be driving us, or are we going to be listening to the words of Jesus? As we'll see from this passage, God's full and final word to us today. And my prayer for all of us is that in 2024, we will be paying careful attention to the words of Jesus. It's interesting that the letter to the Hebrews starts straight off with talking about how God had spoken to us. There's no greeting, um, as we'd see in other letters, but straight in, the author goes and speaks about how God has spoken to us. For any relationship, communication is vitally important. 
uh, just think about it. Your close friends, your family, your spouse, your children. Imagine having no communication with them, never having communication with them. You wouldn't know them. You wouldn't get to know them. We get to know one another. We get to know people as we communicate. And so it's fair to say that without communication, there can be no real relationship. So what about when it comes to God? If God exists, which he does, if we can have a relationship with God, which we can, um, how can we know God? How does God communicate to us? How does he speak to us? It's a vitally important question. A question that if we get wrong, we can end up thinking that we're obeying God when we're not. We can end up thinking that we're hearing his voice when we're not. We may go searching for God in all sorts of places, maybe the wrong places. This passage clearly shows us where we are to look to hear God's voice. When I was at university many years ago, a friend of mine would get up at 4 o'clock every morning. Now, that's immense discipline, just doing that. Up at 4 o'clock, and he would go sit in a tree in his garden and listen to the voice of God, wait for God to speak to him. These verses show us that that is not where we are to be looking for God to speak to us. These verses show us that God has spoken to us, that he has made himself known, and so we can have a relationship with him, and that happens through his spoken word. In the first two verses, it it deals with how God communicates to us. The first thing we are to note here is that there's a contrast between how God spoke in the past to how he has spoken now. Did you notice uh, verse 1 and verse 2? Verse 1 starts, in the past. Verse 2, but in these last days. The past, that is the times of the Old Testament, before the coming of the Lord Jesus. These last days, that is now. It's the time between the first coming of the Lord Jesus and his return. So everything, every time since Jesus came into this world, and the author unpacks uh, the, the contrast between God speaking in the past and him speaking to us today in the present. In the contrast, we see that in the past, who did God speak to? He spoke uh, to their ancestors. Now, the ancestors of the Hebrews here are the, the Israelites, God's people in the Old Testament. Go read the Old Testament. You see God revealing himself, speaking to his people. And we see that this is done in many ways. Through the prophets, at times directly through an audible voice, at times through dreams, even at times writing on a wall or speaking through a donkey. Verse 1, we see that God spoke through the prophets at many times, and in various ways. That's in the past. The contrast in verse 2 is that he has spoken to us today, the people of the last time, through his Son. God has fully and finally spoken through the Lord Jesus. Did, did, Did you notice the tense there? It's not God is speaking, but he has spoken, past tense. He's fully and finally revealed himself in the coming of the Lord Jesus. There's nothing more that we need to know to know God. There's nothing more that we need to know in order to have a relationship with him. 
There's nothing more that we need to know in order to live a life that is pleasing to him or to know the hope of eternal life. God has made it all known. He's revealed it, and he ultimately did it through sending Jesus, his son, into this world. Hebrews, the Bible, God claims that Jesus is the full and final, ultimate way that God speaks to us. It is the way that he has spoken to us, and it is through the spoken word that he continues to speak to us today. So if we want to hear God's voice, if we want to hear him, we need to come to him, uh, to come to the Lord Jesus and hear what he has to say. We are no longer to be looking for so-called prophets or special people to speak God's voice to us today. God has spoken through his son, and it is through his son, through the spoken word, that he continues to speak to us today. Jesus is the full and final revelation of God. Are you listening to him? In 2024, are we going to be listening to him? Now, Hebrews 1 is very clear on this. It is not a matter of preference. It's not a matter of what works for you. You know, as they say, different, different strokes for different folks. No, it is clear. God has spoken. He has spoken in one way. And that is through sending his son into this world. Uh, it, many people will claim today that there is, is no such thing as absolute truth. The irony of it is that's an absolute truth claim. But aside from that fact, Hebrews 1 says that they are wrong. Hebrews 1 says that there is absolute truth. We can know absolute truth because God has revealed it to us. He has spoken through his son. We find this truth in the life, the teaching uh, of Jesus as is recorded in scripture uh, by eyewitnesses. The writer to the Hebrews goes on to show uh, that Jesus is the greatest messenger. Um, you wouldn't ask a five-year-old for investment advice, would you? No, I hope not. Um, maybe they get it right by some pure luck, but chances are uh, they know nothing about investments. You would go to someone who's got the credentials to back up the advice they're going to give you. You'll go to someone who's got a proven track record that you can trust what they're saying. Uh, and many years ago, uh, when I lived in London, I, I watched a TV program called The Antique Roadshow. Has ever, anyone seen that? Few hands, few hands. The Antique Roadshow, it's a, it's a really interesting um, show. What happens is a bunch of these experts uh, go set up um, uh, camp somewhere and people bring antiques that they've inherited or that they found in an attic somewhere. And very often there's not much value to them. But every now and then you get something of immense value. Now, it's the experts, the top antique um, dealers who are there and are, are giving advice. Now, if I were to go and say, well, you know, I think that vase is worth 500 rand, and then one of the experts might come and say, no, that's worth 500,000 rand. Um, the credentials of the person who is speaking 
is vitally important. In the rest of chapter 1, the author outlines Jesus' credentials. He shows that Jesus is the absolute best at communicating God to us. He is the best messenger from God to his people. Uh, he describes, the, the author um, describes seven characteristics of Jesus. And then he goes on to quote seven passages from the Old Testament to back up those characteristics. And all this is done with the purpose of convincing us that Jesus is the best messenger so that we can have confidence that we have the full and final revelation from God. Just have a look at them uh, quickly. The second half of verse 2, we see that Jesus is the king. He is the heir of all things. And we, in verse 2 as well, we see that he is the creator. It is through whom, through him, that the universe was made. So he is the king. Firstly, he's the creator. Secondly, thirdly, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God. You want to see God? You want to see his glory? You want to see how great he is? Well, we are to look to Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of the glory. As we see the radiance of the sun, we see the sun. We know the sun. As we see the radiance of Jesus, we can know the Father. We can know what he's like. Verse 3 continues to say that he is the exact representation of God's being. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God because he is the imprint of the nature of God. You want to see what God is like? Look to Jesus. The, the fifth a characteristic of Jesus is that he is sustaining all things by his powerful word. He keeps speaking. Um, he keeps things going by his word, by speaking. And if it is through the power of his word that he sustains everything in this world, surely then he is the perfect candidate for revealing God to us, for speaking God to us. He is the one who made purification for our sin, and he then sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus dealt with our sin. He came into this world all those many years ago to take our sin away. He died on the cross that we can be forgiven, and he is now seated at the right hand of God. In Hebrews, this picture of being seated at God's right hand uh, carries two images. One Jesus ruling in power, and secondly, seated. He is complete. He has achieved what he purposed to achieve. And here we see it is the purification of our sin. The final uh, characteristic of Jesus in verse 4 is that Jesus is superior to the angels. Now, you might, when the passage was read, you might have wondered why is the writer to the Hebrews comparing Jesus to angels? Why is it so important that Jesus is superior to them? And quite a few of the, the Old Testament quotes are put there to show us that Jesus is superior to the, the angels. The reason is because of the, the function, the role of the angels. The angels, the word angel actually means messenger. And what it is showing us here in comparing the angels to Jesus, 
and showing Jesus being superior to the angels is that Jesus is the best messenger. He's an even, he's even better messenger than the angels whose job it was to be messengers. Verse 5 to 13 shows seven quotes from the Old Testament that, that really back up what we've just been seeing about the characteristics of Jesus. In verse 5, Jesus is superior in relationship with God. There's two quotes in verse 5, one from Psalm 2 and one from Samuel uh, chapter 7. Now, the emphasis here is about the relationship that Jesus has with God. It's a son-father relationship. It's a relationship that is superior to the angels. The angels were merely messengers, servants, but Jesus is a son. So he is a better messenger than the angels. Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm looking forward to the establishment of God's forever king. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 is the promises to David that one of his descendants will rule on the throne forever as king. So Jesus is superior to the angels uh, because he is God's son, because he is the forever king. He is the promised Messiah. Verse 6 to 12 highlights the superior position that Jesus has over the angels. He is God's son whom the angels worship. Verse 8 and 9, Jesus is the one who sits on the throne. The angels are the ones who worship him. Verse 10 to 12, Jesus is the creator of the world, as we saw earlier. He made everything. But everything in this world perishes. It fades. It wears out. But Jesus does not. He remains the same. His years have no end. Verse 13 and 14, again, we see the superior position of Jesus to the angels. He sits at God's right hand. He rules. All his enemies will be subjected to his rule. Jesus is the ruler. The angels are mere servants. Jesus, he is our king. The angels, they are servants. Who's better to listen to? Who's the better messenger? It's clear, isn't it? Jesus is the best possible messenger from God. He's even superior to the angels. So it makes absolute sense that Jesus would be the full and final revelation from God to us. God has revealed everything that we need to know, to know him, to have a relationship with him, to live in a way that pleases him to have the hope of eternal life. After showing us Jesus as the full, final, and perfect messenger, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 2 shows us how seriously we should be taking uh, these, these words. Chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what you have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard it. 
God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. We must pay careful attention to the words of the Lord Jesus. How seriously are you taking Jesus' word? How carefully are you listening to it? How does it compare to the other voices that we're listening to that are vying for our attention? God has revealed himself. He has sent his son into this world so we can know him. We have the full and final revelation from God. Listen to him. These are so crucial words because, did you notice, salvation is at stake. If we get this wrong, we can lose out on salvation. Verse 2 and 3 the author looks back to the message spoken through the the angels. Now, that is the Mosaic Covenant and says that the disobedience to the angel's message resulted in punishment. But he then warns us, how much more serious would it be if we ignore the message of the Son? If we ignore the words of the Lord Jesus, if we ignore the true, perfect revelation from God, So listen to Jesus. Your eternal salvation is at stake. Ignoring Jesus will mean you miss out on salvation. You miss out on having your sins purified, taken away, being brought into a relationship with God. Now, it may be that you hear today that you don't know God. Maybe you've been looking for God in all sorts of different places. Hebrews 1 says, come uh, to God where he has revealed himself to you. Come to the Lord Jesus. Listen to him. 2,000 years ago, God ultimately made himself known. We've just remembered Christmas. Jesus coming into the world was to reveal God to us, to bring us into a relationship with him so we can know him, that we can know the hope of the eternal future that is held out for us because of Jesus conquering death on the cross because he is now seated at the right hand, ruling as the eternal king. 2024 is about to start. There will be many voices vying for our attention. What voices will shape your year? What voices will trump the others? Will your life be governed by the standards of this world, the priorities of this world? Or will your life be governed by God, uh, by God's word, by the world to come? Who are going to be your close friends, your advisors, your counselors, the, those you listen to, the ones you look to uh, for advice? Uh, will our morals be shaped by this world? Or will they be shaped by the words of the Lord Jesus? The letter to the Hebrews is written to Christians who started out well, but they were being lured back into the ways of the world, tempted to put aside the, the, the um, words of the Lord, Je- Lord Jesus, tempted to stop listening to him, to looking for, for God in other places. We need to heed this warning and listen to Jesus. We have Jesus. We have God's full and final word, his finished word. We are people of God's new creation. So let's pay careful attention 
let's listen to Jesus and let's prioritize listening to Jesus in the year ahead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do uh, praise you uh, for your great work in this world. Thank you that 2,000 years ago the Lord Jesus came into this world and that you revealed yourself, you spoke to us through him. Thank you that you continue to speak to us today as we can know him as he's been recorded on the pages of scripture. Father, we pray that you will uh, fill our hearts with hunger and desire to know you more. We pray that in the year ahead, you will continue to grow us in our relationship with you. Speak to us through your Son. Strengthen us to know you, to trust in you, and to live a life that is pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.